Is everyone else still here? Are we all still awake? Yeah. Amen indeed. Amen. Well, as we mentioned last week, prayer is a fundamental part, and was a fundamental part when it was on the earth, of the life of Jesus. And also throughout his ministry, we saw, if you remember, uh, that Jesus uh, would pray with others. And we looked at that story of when he went up on the mountain, the transfiguration. Uh, and with him he had three of his primary disciples and he prayed with them. We saw how he prayed for others with the, the story of where, where the, the disciples were trying to keep the children back. And he said, no, let them, let them come. And he prays for them. And as we saw, he prayed by himself quite often which in itself is a, is a lesson that we can take away. So when it came to his disciples, not only was he happy to teach them to pray, but he expected them to pray. And he also expects us to pray, because are we not extensions of the first disciples? Are we not all disciples of Jesus? Which... It's kind of cool when you think about it. 2,000 odd years on, and there, there are still disciples who are making disciples who are making disciples. All through the guidance and the power of the Holy Spirit. What a wonderful thing. But Jesus expected them to pray, um, and this was emphasised in the passage with those three words that Jesus says, when you pray. When you pray. He didn't say if you want to pray. He didn't say if you feel like praying. He says when you pray. Last week we explored some of the reasons why prayer is important to the life of the believer. Some of those being it helps us grow closer to God. It helps us align ourselves with God's will. Prayer isn't about trying to force God into our way of thinking. Prayer is us, helps us on that journey of aligning with him. Lord, here I am. Lord, what is it you will of me? Where do you need me to go? What do you need me to do? And it reminds us, which I think is sometimes really needed uh, in the life of believers uh, and that it, it helps remind us that we are not the centre of the universe it helps remind us that God is the centre God is the centre prayer is foundational it is fundamental in helping us to increase our faith in Jesus who died and who rose on that cross not only providing us that incredible, and, and it doesn't matter how many times I say it, it still fascinates me. It provides us that opportunity for us to come into right relationship with God, to be called heirs alongside Christ, and to be adopted sons and daughters of God Almighty. Fantastic. But it also provides hope and freedom from the penalty of death, both now and for eternity. 
What a promise. What a promise. But we're reminded that prayer itself is a gift from God. A credible gift. A gift from God Almighty to us, his created beings. A gift that meant that we could commune directly with God through prayer. A truth that I feel sometimes, and I know this to be true in my life, we can take for granted. But unfortunately, this incredible gift is one that many Christians fail to appreciate, fail to place value in or place importance in. So when we looked at the disciples' prayer, if you remember, I just briefly explained that that we often refer to it as uh, the Lord's Prayer. I just suggested to you that a a better understanding would be the disciples' prayer, which is why I was using that terminology. But you can use either. So when we come to look at the disciples' prayer last week, I suggested that there were two truths or lessons that we could learn from it. The first being that following the themes of the prayer were more important than just reciting the exact wording of the prayer on the page in our Bible. Now, before people start lobbing Bibles at me, that's not to say that praying the exact words in our Bible is wrong. Of course it isn't wrong. No, it's not wrong. Okay? We've all done it. How many of us grew up learning the Lord's Prayer? Reciting the Lord's Prayer? Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, it's, it's a wonderful thing. We say, we've said it, I said it last week, we say here as a church from time to time. But the challenge, the challenge is that when you only ever recite the words of the Lord's Prayer, i.e., we use that terminology parrot fashion, don't we? When you only ever uh, recite the words in a parrot fashion, you run the risk of the prayer becoming just a muscle memory. Just a muscle memory, something we know off the top of our head. But the danger with that is it can lose its importance. We can lose the real heart and the power behind the prayer. Now, don't get me wrong, I love the fact, there are people in this church who, um, they just know Bible verses, you know, off the top of their head. Because when they were children, they used to have to, in in Sunday school, they were challenged with with memory verses. That's something I was never, well, not to my knowledge, I don't know if my brother remembers, but I don't remember memory verses in the Methodist growing up. But that's a wonderful thing that we're able to remember all of these verses. But the danger is, and we have to be very wise about and cautious about, that like the Lord's Prayer, learning it verbatim and being able to say it, if we don't take a, take a moment to just think about the words we're saying, they can just be words on a page. Sounds wonderful when we go, let's say the Lord's Prayer, and we all go, I Father. But actually, if we're just saying it, We've got to put the meaning behind it. We've got to to put the heart. We've got to come before in reverence with the Lord when we say that prayer. And I think uh, sometimes the words on the page can, for some people, be more important. 
I made, the, I made the, the jest last week about the King James Version. But there was a reason I said that. Because how many times have you heard people, or have you yourself, when you've heard a newer translation, a newer, uh, you know, newer words of the Lord's Prayer gone, oh, it's not right. It's not the one I know. It's not, it's not, it's not the correct one. It's not the, you know, we've all been there. But that just gives us a little glimpse that there is potentially a danger there. You know, the Lord's Prayer has been written into multiple different languages. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm sorry to say, and I know it might be a shock, that Jesus didn't just speak fluent Queen's English. Yeah? yeah? So we've got to be careful that we don't get so focused upon the word on the page, the words on the page, and miss the heart, the theme, the meaning behind what Jesus was trying to teach them. But it doesn't mean you can't use the words on the page to pray. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, hopefully, I've, I've dissuaded any emails I might get this week um, from that. Now, like I said, it's, it's in, of course it's important for us to pray, but to take the themes of the prayer. And to apply the themes of the prayer, that is the building blocks on which we can approach our everyday prayers. And if you remember, we looked at these themes, which we suggested there were three. I won't ask you if you remember, because to be honest with you, I don't remember a lot of last week anyway. Um, but there were three. The first theme was what we called the address. In essence, to whom were we praying? In this instance, Jesus said, we pray to the Father. So that's the first thing that we can take away. We always pray to the Father. That incredible honouring title of God. But it also not only shows his holiness, but also shows the intimacy that we can also come before him and the relationship that's in that and I did throw out there for those who missed um, daddy is not an acceptable uh, you know way of referencing God okay um, going to leave that one there so the first theme addressed second were that there was two declarations that was the second theme in Jesus's prayer that he taught the disciples these two Declarations, firstly, hallowed be your name, holy be your name. So we've addressed Father, we've come before our, on our knees and we're like, holy are you, Lord. Honouring him in that way, which is right to do so. But also the second declaration is your kingdom come, which had, do you remember, had that two prongs approach, didn't it? That first, that uh, we recognise that there is, the kingdom is here, but also not yet. Yeah, yeah the, the, the kingdom is, is manifest in, in, a, in, in a certain way today through us, through the church, through God's people, through the power of the Holy Spirit. But it won't come into its fruition until Jesus returns. But then we moved into this third theme of which there were three. And that was, give us each day our daily bread. Asking God for the provisions of our life. The things that we need 
not necessarily want, but the things we need to get through. The, uh, the second one was forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. And even now I'm jumping back into the King James Version. Um, but it's that understanding, and I mentioned that we would spend some time looking at this, because this is out of them probably the hardest one that people struggle with, is forgiving those who have done them wrong. And then the third of these requests that we come before the Lord in prayer was to lead us not into temptation. The reality is temptation is all around us, is it not? Temptation is all around us, and we need God's help to be able to get through and overcome those things. Good, so there's the recap done. This leads us into what I've suggested is the second truth or the second lesson that I believe Jesus was teaching his disciples. And that was the importance of communal prayer. The importance of communal prayer alongside our own personal prayer and devotion to him. If you look at the passage, you'll notice that at the heart of this disciple's prayer is itself uh, focused upon uh, communal prayer, a prayer that is done together. And it gives us clues here when we look at the plural words. Within it, give us our daily bread. Forgive us as we forgive. Lead us not into temptation. Though prayer is very personal and is a very personal act between us and God, it is also an important aspect of the communal life of the Church of Jesus Christ. Now, yes, of course, every one of us can be by ourselves and we can pray in that plural sense for the church. Yeah, of course we can. That, that, there's no issue with that. I can come, come before the Lord and say, Lord, you know, I'm, I'm praying for the church. You know, be with us. Care for us. Guide us. Of course we can pray in that, in that, in that, in that plural sense. But remember the request of the disciple. Lord, teach us to pray. He didn't say, Lord, teach me to pray. He didn't say, he didn't even say, Lord, teach us a prayer. What he said was, Lord, teach us to pray, emphasising his desire that Jesus teach them as a group. Now, to pray together as believers is such a precious thing. It uniquely binds us together in a community of worship and a community of intercessors. And corporate prayer helps to solidify the unique relationship, not only between us as a body of believers and us within the wider worldwide church, but also us as a Catholic church, a universal church, between us and God. It's a wonderful, a wonderful communal link that we all have. So why is communal prayer so important? Well, there are many suggestions. 
that, that obviously I could put forward with, uh, put forwards. But here are just some. Firstly, as we've said, it helps to unify the body of Christ. Secondly, it edifies and it encourages those who participate. If it doesn't, and I'm, I'm just going to throw this out there for you to take away and consider, there is a direct uh, correlation between how you approach prayer with how you are with, during the prayer, if that makes sense. If you come in thinking, oh, this is just boring, mm -hmm. then guess what? <laughs> you know the outcome, don't you? Now, don't get me wrong, I know prayer sometimes can be, a, it can be a challenge. Of course, I know it can be a challenge. It's not the most exciting thing on the planet. Can, you know, when we live in a world that's surrounded by technology and lights and flashing things and, you know, I, I get it. But that, that isn't an excuse for us not to come before God in prayer. That's something we have to deal with, with God's help. So it edifies and it encourages those who participate. It strengthens weakened faith. How many of you, when you have just been at the bottom, feeling so low, struggling, how many of you have come before God in prayer and after spending time in prayer, walked out of that and just gone, oh, I just feel... You can't explain it, can you? You just feel elevated. You just feel like you were listened to. <laughs> like, like God was there with you. Like, yeah, whatever the terminology you want to use, it strengthens our faith. It can facilitate corporate repentance. In some respects, it should facilitate corporate repentance. It creates a sense of expectancy. Yeah. That's the part I get excited about. It's that expectant. You know, we've prayed together to God for things that we believe align with His will, and then we wait expectant to see what God's going to do. And actually, one that is incredibly important: corporate prayer helps to disciple believers in prayer. Just think about it. You're a, new, you're a new Christian. What better way to learn how to pray than to pray with others? Now, you might not know what you're doing, but that's okay. You sit and you beam, you learn, you absorb, you watch, and you follow. comes back to that thing, that, uh, that, that analogy I used a few weeks, uh, was it before Christmas? I think it was. You know, I do, you watch. You do it with me, now you do it, and I watch, and then you go off and do it yourself and train someone else. Yeah. It's part of the journey of discipleship. Yeah. It's the mechanics of discipleship. But to be honest with you, if all of those suggestions as, 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 as what, why prayer is so important, if none of those get you, if, you know, if none of those are like, oh, no, I can't see any of those, how about this? The simple truth is, that Jesus expects his bride to pray. I should have just stuck with that one. Because we can't deny Jesus, can we? Let's be honest. But as always, God's word gives us the example we need to understand the importance of the church praying together. 
Acts 1.14, all those with one accord, that's, they were all together, were devoting themselves, there's their part of saying, this is something we have to do. They devoted themselves to prayer. Acts 42, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to fellowship and to the breaking bread and to what? To prayer. They devoted themselves to it because Jesus had taught them that they needed to do it. God's word also gives us a unique example of the power and importance of prayer of the gathered church. Just think into uh, uh, further forward in Acts, into Acts 12 when Peter was locked in prison and he was asleep in the night, chained between the two guards and all of a sudden he wakes up, angels in front of him, zap, the chains are gone, doors are open, woof, and they're out. But what's remarkable is just before you get to that story in Acts, there's a verse that gives us an incredible indication as to what was going on just before God instituted that rescue plan. Acts 12.5, so Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. By the church. They were gathered and praying for Peter. Remarkable. So the question that I want us to take away today, the challenge, if you will, is why do many Christians still struggle with the concept of gathering for corporate prayer? Let's bring it a little closer to home. Why is it of a church here at Welcome of 100-ish, 100-plus-ish adults, why is it that a Wednesday prayer meeting we often only have 14 people? And it's not that people don't know about it, because we mention it most times it's on. Now I understand, I totally get that not everyone can get to everything. I totally get that. We, we do live in a busy world. We have family and work and th there is lots going on. So please understand the heart of what I'm saying here. Okay? But when you consider that we have, I think the last time, it was in the region of 40-odd people to our sung worship nights, which are awesome, by the way, and I would encourage you to come along to on the next one. But why is it that we have 40-odd adults come to those, which is on the same day of the week, at the same time of the day that the, that the prayer meetings are, but we don't see the numbers? Makes you wonder. Communal prayer is an integral part of the life of Jesus' church. You cannot deny that. It is an integral part of the life of Jesus' church alongside sung worship, which is awesome and powerful and something that we are encouraged to do in Scripture. Alongside, which is foundational to, to, to Jesus' church, the sound teaching of doctrine and to communion with us breaking bread, and to us being a fellowship together. 
is part of an integral, it's an integral part of that. And it needs to be a staple in the life of the church here at Welcome. It needs to be. Particularly with the challenges that we're facing in society today. I'm loving the freedom that, the, the freedom that we're seeing with prayer during our, our worship times on Sunday mornings. I just, I love it. I think it's wonderful. You know, the, like Steve today, just boom, lift up a prayer as the Spirit led. Now I know that um, I know that there are those of you out there who don't like praying aloud. Can I just say that's okay? That's okay? And for some, the fear of coming to a prayer meeting because there is maybe that someone's going to say, oh, can you just pray? Is what potentially keeps you away. I get it. But I really want to be clear on this. No one will be asked to pray if they are not comfortable praying. No one will be. Because coming together in prayer isn't about forcing people into situations that make them uncomfortable. You may get to a point where you can pray, but that's a journey that you have to go on with, the, with, with believers' support and, and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. But if you don't want to pray and you're fearful about saying your prayers aloud, that's okay. You know, being present and being praying in your heart, prayer, praying quietly before the Lord is still a valued, uh, well, is still as valued and important uh, contribution to the corporate prayer of the saints. Just because we can't hear what you're praying in your heart doesn't mean heaven doesn't. So don't allow that to be a hindrance to you to come to a prayer gathering. Now as we go through this year, communal prayer will be a focus that we will explore more. It will be an area that we explore more. You know, when, I, when we first arrived, we were uh, talking with the ministers in the town. Uh, what, what really struck me was there was a couple of them that said, oh yeah, welcome. Welcome is known as the Bible teaching church. Which really struck me, because my, 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 my comment back was, well, surely every church should be a Bible teaching church. Um, that made an interesting conversation. But you know what? It's wonderful that the welcome people come knowing that, that we're not afraid to open the, open the word and, and wrestle with it. But wouldn't it be better in the town to be known as the church that worships? Which Bible teaching is part of, which prayer is part of, which sung worship is part of. Faithful, devoted, worshipping people. Um, does the band want to come up? Don't worry, kids, I'm coming to you. Wherever you've gone, you've all disappeared. They're in the, in the, are they in the aisles? Now, like I said, this is... Uh, I'm saying some seeds here that we're going to build upon at, at certain points in the, in the coming months. But there is great strength and power when God's people gather in prayer. And do you know what amazing things happen? Our history, the history of the world, the history of the church is littered 
with examples of how God has worked through uh, seeming situations where his people have gathered in corporate prayer. You know, if you want to go and uh, go and look, watch, uh, sorry, go and uh, find out one, just go and look and type in into Google um, the, the Berlin Wall and prayer, the prayer uh, um, vigil. Incredible story. Incredible story that started in a church with a dozen people through a faithful priest who, who said, let's on a Monday evening, let's get together and let's pray. Let's pray for this situation, which was horrible there at the time. And that grew and grew and grew and grew to the point where I think there's something like 300,000 people had gathered to pray a, a, a peaceful prayer and candle process. And I think it was something like a month after that, the Berlin Wall came down. Now, call it coincidental, call it a move of God. Who knows? But I know prayer played a part. And that is just one of a myriad of, of, of situations where gathered, God gathered people praying is incredibly important. Who's been keeping up to date with what's going on and what's happening over in Kentucky at the uh, Ashbury University? Anybody? If you haven't, maybe check it out. Now, what I love is that they're not calling it revival. The university are not calling it a revival. But what's happened was after, after a service there at the university, some of the students wanted to stay behind. They wanted to pray together. They wanted to just keep worshipping God. There were students who had gone to their lectures who were telling their lecturers, we just feel we need to go to the chapel. Or whatever they call it, they call it something different. And that just grew and grew and grew to the point, 12 days now, there's been a constant uh, prayer, worship, um, you name it, it's happening there. But what's remarkable is it's, it's so peaceful when you look at it. Like it's not hyped up, there isn't a big band on stage going, yeah, come on everybody, let's feel good. It's so peaceful. And this was the statement they put out. Since February the 8th, 23, Ashbury University students, along with faculty staff, administrators, local community members and visitors from out of town have been gathering in the Jews Auditorium for a time of spiritual renewal. They're not calling it a revival. I mean, the, the university's full of, you know, the, theolo uh, theological uh, lecturers, so I'm sure they're pretty careful in the words they're using for this. And then they go on and say, the Lord is at work as radical compassion, confession, change, and transformation is taking place. Now, I don't know what you think of re revival, but I'll tell you one thing, God is doing something with these students in this university. And, as we're always told to weigh up against scripture, what does Paul say about the gathering? It must be orderly, mm. not confusion. Yeah. Orderly is exactly what's happening now. And I praise God for them. Mm. But I tell you one thing, I guarantee you prayer was a foundational part of why God is moving there. Yeah. 
in their situation for whatever reason he needs to move in there. Prayer is powerful. Jesus taught his disciples a prayer that they can say together and in doing so also showed them a model that they can use to lift their own prayers to God. But arguably, and more probably importantly, he emphasised the importance of prayer and the expectation he has on believers to pray, both individually and corporately. And that includes us at Welcome and Little Old Whitney. Enough said. Enough said. We'll, we'll pick that up as the weeks, and, oh, sorry, as the months go on. But prayer will be foundational. This Wednesday, guess what's happening this Wednesday evening? Prayer evening. What time, Bex? 7.30. Here. Yeah? In this building. 7.30. Prayer evening. I'm just going to leave that seed. 